0: Hey, happy mamas. Welcome back. It's Shelly Carey. Hey, we are in a crazy time right now, and I just wanted to share a couple of thoughts that have really been on my mind the last few weeks. If you're listening to this currently, you know that we're in the middle of a pandemic with COVID-19. It's a serious issue that's um, covered our globe. It's um, been quite the experience for all of us. We've been in um, social distancing. Some have been in quarantine. Uh, We're at a stay-at-home order here in Utah right now, which basically my family's been doing anyway for the last uh, two and a half weeks. But um, it's been a really interesting time. And there could be a lot of fear. There could be a lot of uncertainty going on. There could be a lot of, you know, questions and stress and all these things. And I've certainly felt moments of those times um, creep up But I wanted to share a couple of things that I have been so grateful for that we have been prepared for this time. Now, most of you or many of you might uh, be of my same faith, but I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, Some in the world know that as being a Mormon. um, And I am a very staunch believer in my faith and it really guides everything that I do. And Because so many of us here at Happy Mama have the same beliefs that I do, I wanted to share some of the things that our church has been doing in the past that prepared us for this time right now, and also some of the things I've learned as I wasn't as prepared as I wanted to be. Now, first of all, it has been um, a direction from our church for years and years and years and years, as long as I can remember since I was a little, little kid, um, and my 40th birthday is coming up, so that was a while ago, right? Our church has always invited us to be prepared, to be prepared with um, things that we may need for a year supply or, you know, three, six, nine months, year supply, whatever it is of food and of things. um, If there were some kind of natural disaster that we were prepared with water and we were prepared with first aid and we were prepared with the different things that we may need to take care of ourselves, say, if we didn't have power or if there was some kind of, like I said, natural disaster or other reasons. Now, in the past, I always imagined that my food storage and different things would be saved for, you know, just that thing. Utah is supposed to have a huge earthquake, and I expected that that food storage that my mom always had on the shelf would be used in times like that. A couple of years ago, we had a great neighbor who had, um, had that food storage stocked up and went through a time where her husband um, lost a job, and then when he got his new job, it was uh, probably seven hours away from his family and the job didn't pay nearly as much. And because of the travel, he wasn't able to maintain his second job, which made up the difference. And I remember this cute mom, um, not having the money for groceries. She had six kids at the time. And I remember her going down to her food storage and being able to make meals for her family for six months based on her food storage. She shopped for the essentials, like fresh things and milk and eggs and things. But she was able to make bread and cookies and pasta and all the things that she needed for six months. And at that time, I thought, wow, there's going to be a time when we need our food storage for something besides a natural disaster, right? Now, the interesting thing is, is that um, I grew up that our food storage was you know, wheat and flour and sugar and beans and things like that. And my parents did an amazing job of helping us raise a garden. And we canned and bottled, um, preserved everything from our garden that we could. We had, a you know, a root cellar where we kept our potatoes and our onions, carrots. Uh, we, we bottled peaches and pears and cherries and um, everything you can think of, right? We did pie filling and all sorts of things when the fruit would come on and then we did everything from our garden. So we had frozen corn and frozen peas and, um, they were able to keep the squash for quite a while, things like that. So we ate from that. I grew up, um, I never was wanting for things. We just didn't ever have a lot. We had a family of six kids and my dad was a school teacher and, uh, worked a couple of jobs and my mom was often teaching piano or helping to bring in the income too. And, um, so we never had a lot, but we never went without, but I remember we never went hungry. Um, never went hungry because we could always go down to that food storage and find things. Well, the other thing that my mom did is things that we used all the time, you know, canned soups or pasta or macaroni and cheese or hot dogs or whatever it was that we we grew up on. um, She always had plenty of those. So instead of just having enough to last for a couple of weeks, she would have enough to last for several months. And on case lot, she would just buy a case of those things to last us for six months instead of one or two things. And so that's what we would use for our food storage. And then we would just continue to stock up, especially if it was on sale. I would plan, I remember as a young mom, I followed my mom's lead and I stocked up on what I could. And then I planned my meals around what was on sale. And then I just always bought a few extra if I could afford it. You know, if we were going to have spaghetti because pasta was on sale and the spaghetti sauce was on sale, then I grabbed an extra couple things of pasta and an extra couple things of spaghetti sauce. And I stocked up that way if I couldn't um, wait for the case lots out, right? Well, here's the interesting thing. That, that's the way we always did our food storage. And my husband and I always felt pretty good about what we had, okay? Um, and when they issued the social distancing, please, you know, don't shop and please stay home. And I started thinking to my husband, who's been doing quite a bit of the cooking lately. I said, what? How long could we last on the food that we have? Now, here's something interesting. In the last year and a half now, uh, my family has drastically changed a lot of our health habits to a more natural, um, healthy lifestyle. So we're eating a lot more fresh produce, a lot more organic foods, less processed foods. And so we find ourselves shopping once or twice a week to get those fresh things. And when I went to look in my food storage, when I realized we weren't you know, going to be able to shop for a couple of weeks, more likely... I realized that I didn't have anything on the shelf that I had some stuff in the freezer, some meat and some different things and I had some canned meat. I had some bottled beans we'd done from the garden and and a little bit of corn in the freezer and other than that I really had very little. And I realized that we wouldn't starve but we wouldn't eat very well for a couple of weeks and started to think through this a little differently like what would I put on the shelves if I'm used to eating, you know, all organic and things like that. So we started to put together a little plan of how we could build our food storage back up with things that we could eat and then have those staples. Obviously, if it came down to a life or death situation, I'm going to eat whatever I can get my hands on, right? So I made sure I have some of those staples there. What was the interesting thing too, and those of you in Utah were here for this, right in the middle of all this, about a week or so, maybe 10 days into the social distancing, please don't go out, you know, we actually had an earthquake here in Utah. Now, my husband felt it. He actually thought he was just having a dizzy spell because we were several miles away from the epicenter. The rest of us slept through it, didn't even realize it. Uh, My parents had a couple of pictures tip over from a bookshelf and my brother felt it quite a bit. Um, He wasn't too far from the epicenter. Uh, Not a lot of damage to people that I know because I didn't know anyone really close to it. But it got me thinking when I realized uh, it was interesting. My phone had been turned off. And at 10 o'clock that morning that the earthquake happened around seven, a little after seven in the morning, I turned on my phone at 10 o'clock and realized that I had 38 texts and both my husband and my families had done a group text and they were talking back and forth with each other, making sure everyone was okay. And I was completely clueless. And I saw a text from my sister that said, Shelly, you haven't responded. Are you okay? And I was like, okay, for what? She's like, did you feel the earthquake? And I thought the what? What a I miss? And instantly I felt this um, feeling in my stomach as I, you know, pulled up the news report and saw what had happened, connected with my family, made sure everyone was okay. I had this feeling from the spirit in my gut that said, Shelly, you are not prepared. You are not prepared the way you have been in the past. In the last couple of years, we sold a home, we moved in with relatives, we, we built a home um, and in the jumble of everything, I realized I don't even know if I have flashlights. I don't know, you know, obviously hadn't paid close attention since we changed our diet and our lifestyle to what food I had. I started looking, we use a lot of essential oils for our health care, um, a lot of essential oils and vitamins for health healthcare, And I realized that I only had what I needed as far as my vitamins and my supplements to get me through the month. If there was a problem and I couldn't order more, that those things that are very essential to my health right now, I wouldn't have. And I scrambled, right? I I ran to the store. I grabbed a few flashlights and some batteries for things that I knew we had just in case. And I started making a list of what we needed to do to be prepared. And we've decided that we could do more, right? We need to have our water supply. We need to have toilet paper is the big item right now, right? And, And the different things that we would need to be prepared. And as we started to put that plan together, that that pit in my stomach slowly dissipated. um, And we were so grateful that we, because we've gotten our tax return, had the funds to take care of these needs that we had without it really putting, um, hampering our budget. What a blessing, right? So my question there and the lesson learned there is what can we do to prepare? Are we really prepared? And do we trust that? The guidelines we've been given to prepare are really there for a reason. When I watched that dear neighbor eat from her food storage for six months, I thought, oh my gosh, I just hadn't realized that we may use this for something other than a natural disaster, right? And then when we went into social distancing and I realized that could be one of the reasons we need our food storage. And then when the earthquake hit and I thought, oh my gosh, we're going to have a natural disaster on top of a pandemic, on top of quarantine. And are we going to eat? Like I'm feeding seven people here. Are we going to eat? Right. Thank goodness. I've spent a lot of years learning how to make bread and different things. And, and we were able to stock up and we're not going hungry by any means. Right. Um, so that's one of the ways, you know, are we prepared? So I told you, I wanted to mention something. I actually saw, had a friend compile this on Facebook. Um, you know, for someone like me, who's super social, not being able to get out has been challenging. And, um, and I'm finding Facebook is still my connection to people. I still feel like, you know, that little bit of extrovert, not not little bit, I have a lot of extrovert in me. It The need is being met in some way, but so I've spent way more time on Facebook than I want to admit or that I think is actually healthy at this point. <laughs> but this came across Facebook and I was so grateful as I read through it that someone had compiled this. This particular person talked about how when everything, when all of this has happened, they took a moment to reflect on the way that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has prepared us for this and not just in preparing us for food storage, right? There have been a ton of changes in the church over the last, say, two years that make a world of difference right now that I had never thought through um, in the way that they said. So let me just give you a list of those and maybe it'll open your eyes a little bit and help you be grateful. One of the things I've noticed with this, this pandemic is that the church is a couple of days ahead in what they're asking the members to do and how they're taking action. And if they start to do something, you know that something else is coming from the government or from the health, you know, the CDC or something. It's interesting not interesting. I guess it is interesting, but it's not surprising that the church is ahead of everything. And that while I don't know how much knowledge President Nelson has directly of all these things, I know he's being guided by a heavenly father who knows what's best for his children and is guiding him to prepare us and help us. And so I knew when they closed the temples that we were going to go into stay at home or even lockdown. And because they did that a few days before the state of Utah issued the stay at home order, right? So if you follow uh, what the church is doing, you'll have a good idea of what's coming. Okay. So this is what they talked about. They talked about how um everything that is going on around us is reactive. That we're kind of waiting to see how things go and then we react to it, right? A lot of the decisions we're making um I know a lot of people are trying to be proactive and a lot of the big decisions are reactive decisions. They're trying to handle the situation as it develops. And they're having various stages of success. They're having some success and maybe not as much as they'd hoped. And what this person said was, however, almost everything our church has done has been proactive. And this was posted the day that the temples closed completely. And um, and this person said, on the outside, it seemed reactive. However, I now see that the Lord prepared us for this. Less than one year ago, the church announced that couples no longer have to wait a year to get sealed if they have been married civilly. And this was not... Um, so what has been the church policy for many years, not in every place in the world, but in many places in the world, was that if you were married civilly outside of the temple, you were to wait a year before you were able to be sealed in the temple. Now, there are places outside of the world where or outside of Utah or America, I guess you could say outside of America that this was already um, couples were already able to be married civilly and then go to the temple soon after. Because those countries don't recognize a temple sealing as a legal um, marriage. And so they were able to be married legally, according to the country, and then go be sealed. So it's not like this is new to everyone. It's just new to those of us that aren't used to this, right? But the church lifted that not very long ago and said that you don't have to wait a year. They wanted to make it easier for uh, families to be able to take part in the weddings. and, And I'm sure the Lord, I'm sure the Lord knew this was coming and wanted to be prepared for what happens, right? This particular person that wrote this article said, I just shrugged at the time and thought it was a great policy. However, today I see that the Lord knew the temple closures were coming and he took away the waiting period for couples who had no choice but to get married civilly while the temples were closed. Now this has kind of hit close to home as I have a nephew whose, whose wedding was planned in the temple in May and also uh, another family member who who just got engaged and was hoping to get married within the next month and now, um, you know, wanted to be married in the temple. And if they had to wait for it, they would have to wait longer, right? We have no idea when this is going to come around and we're going to be able to open things back up again. And so now they're trying to see how can we get married civilly and then plan our sealing when the temples are back open, right? This person went on to say, it solidified my testimony to know that the Lord, through our prophet, is not being reactive. He is being proactive. And here's some more examples of ways the Lord has been proactive in the last while to prepare us for this. Some of the obvious ones, right? Come follow me. It's giving us, it's gave us time to get familiar with it, even if we're not perfect with it, which our family certainly isn't. But we are continuing on the same um, path that we were studying before. We continue to study. We continue to do our primary lessons every Sunday as we're, you know, doing our our church at home, basically, um, that we're keeping on track with what my kids would have been learning, what we would have been learning. And we've already practiced doing it at home. And it's been so great, right? Then six months ago, we got word from our prophet that General Conference was going to be different this year. And as we celebrate the 200th anniversary of Joseph Smith's vision, that we could prepare for that. And that it was going to be different. And, um, this probably wasn't what we expected. I don't know what I expected. I think I expected like a full on theatrical production or something. I don't know. Um, but it's going to be totally different than we ever experienced. And, um, and we were prepared for that six months ago. Right. Um, they talked about the closing of the temples, but already having a policy in place for couples whose lives are, feel like they're in limbo right now. I can only imagine if I was in the middle of planning a wedding and all this was going down, what that might change for me. Okay. But there's already a plan in place. Another thing that changed in the last little while was the age of witnesses being lowered so that baptisms can be witnessed by non-priesthood holders. Um, so you could have one priesthood holder baptizing and you could even have two women or Um, other baptized members that can uh, be the witnesses and the baptism can still happen. Again, this one hit close to home as I have a nephew who was ready to be baptized last Saturday. And, um, you know, they, at the time they were allowed 10 people and they were trying to figure out who those 10 were going to be because he's got several siblings and comes from a a split family. And, you know, and they actually decided to postpone or I'm not sure if they decided or the direction was given, but the baptism was postponed for a time, but how off, how cool is it that now let's say only you and your dad and your mom and your sister could come to your baptism. It can still happen where before you had to have those three priesthood holders. So, so cool. Another thing that changed in the last little while was ministering, right? We're not necessarily going into people's homes for visits, but we're focusing on caring and connecting with them in whatever way we can, which is really important right now we're connecting, everything's virtual, right? Or dropping something off on their doorstep or something. How cool that the Lord was so proactive for us. Another thing that changed was online seminary classes. Now I think um, in Utah, seminary in most places is taught as part of our school day. It's an option, they can take a class at school. And so this probably applied to places outside of Utah where seminary is, that's part of our schedule. But online seminary apparently has been happening other places. And now my daughter starts Online Seminary today and it's already in place, right? And the kids get to continue to learn about the gospel without having to physically attend class. And their class is gonna do a Zoom every Friday where they get to still connect with everyone and talk about the things that they've studied in their come follow me and and stuff like that. And I think that's so cool. Um, And this one was one I hadn't really thought about either because it didn't necessarily affect us this year. It did affect us last year, but the youth changes in the age and how many young men who are turning 12 this year that under the old guidelines would not have received a priesthood at this point, but um, hopefully um, were able to receive it in January. And so they were able to help pass the sacrament in their home under the direction of their bishops if that was the guideline given. And I recognize that um, in many places there are um, the direction was given from the church that the stake presidents and the bishops would decide how the sacrament was to proceed in their own um, stewardship. And so some wards are doing it, you know, once a month, and some are doing it uh, under the direction of a priesthood holder in their home. There's just lots of different ways that that's taking place and how cool though, whatever that is, that those young men get to partake of that and participate in that. And again, also that personal revelation we have, an emergency preparedness and food storage that with everything that's going on, we have been prepared in so many ways for what is happening. Now that being said, there is a lot of things we might be that might be throwing us for a loop, right? And I'm just gonna offer, as we close up here, one idea. Uh, many of you know that I have spent the last ten years really studying and trying to become a master at mindset, at changing my own attitude and my own thoughts. And the mess that often goes on in between our ears. Because it's been such a struggle for me for so long, I really dove into studying it and understanding it and then um, started teaching it to other people. And I'll tell you this right now, one of the best things that we can do through this time is to be in control of our thoughts. And while that for a lot of us is like, what? You can control your thoughts? Yes, you can. (laughs) Um, It takes a little bit of practice. But let me offer this idea. The more we give voice to um, the hardships, the, the struggles, the fear, the uncertainty, the more we talk about it in those terms and the more we give it credit, the more it's going to show up in our lives. Okay, The more we're going to see evidence of it, the more our brain is going to look for it, the more we're going to find ourselves focusing on it. Now, what I would like to propose that we all do is to choose a different train of thought. And it doesn't mean that these things don't exist. This isn't a Pollyanna attitude, um, although I actually really like Pollyanna. (laughs) Um, This isn't a nothing bad is ever happening, okay? Or that there aren't challenges or that there isn't fear or uncertainty. We're not disregarding it, okay? What we are choosing to do instead is focus on our faith is focus on our courage, is focus on the things we do know, focus on the things we can control and the things that are blessings the things we're grateful for. And if we spend most of our energy in those areas, we're going to find that our emotional and spiritual health is so much improved. I remember telling... um, Maybe you'll remember in the Facebook group, if you haven't if you haven't joined the Happy Mama Project uh, Facebook group, come join us. Um, we're we're going to have a lot of fun in there. We've been doing some good things in there. I remember throwing down a challenge a couple of weeks ago about not complaining about the weather, right? Because the weather is so up and down, especially here in Utah. And um, it can be really easy to be like, oh, I'm so sick of the rain. I'm so sick of the snow. What is it doing? Why don't we have sunshine? Blah, 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 blah. And I learned a couple of years ago That when I bought into that attitude and gave it, gave it words, that I really struggled to find anything positive about the weather to talk about, right? And it just made me feel worse. And so even though we have all these things going on, we have this uncertainty, we have whatever, okay, that that may cause some stress and may cause some fear, um, the more we give it credit, the worse we're going to feel. And so instead, I'm going to invite you to focus on the things you're grateful for and the blessings that are coming from this time. There are so many blessings that can be found in this time if we look for them. I have loved, I'll just share a couple of mine. Um, I invited people to do a challenge a couple of weeks ago in the Facebook group to write down 25 reasons they're grateful for the circumstance we're in. And this is before we went into the stay at home, but we were in social distancing which honestly, I didn't actually know there was a difference. I thought social distancing was staying at home. And so that's what my family had been doing. Um, anyway, <laughs> so now we're just like, oh, okay, we're just going to keep doing what we were doing uh, with a little bit more um, gusto, I guess. We're not letting anyone in or out, right? Um, anyway, I remember writing down those 25 things and thinking, wow, I, I am so grateful for this time, Right. I was listening to a call this morning from a great leader in our business that said, how many of you have been praying for solutions that came because of this situation we're in? You know, a lot of people have been praying for whatever it was, right? And I'll I'll, also tell you what I was praying for. Um, I had a a child who was way overscheduled and um, really committed to some wonderful things wonderful things that she loved so much and they were not things she could get out of her school schedule and these things she committed to were not things that she could quit and yet the burden of keeping up with everything became very overwhelming for her and for me um, trying to help her stay emotionally healthy through it all she was in tears every night she was so tired she couldn't function she was so overwhelmed and I remember praying to Heavenly Father to help us find some relief somehow I actually remember praying that somehow they would get canceled. Some of these, some of these obligations, not the ones that she really, really loved, just the ones that were causing so much stress. And it wasn't a week later that all of this came down and those activities were canceled. And I remember looking at her and there was a little bit of that, like, oh, darn it. And then the next breath was like, oh. I can breathe. We're gonna be okay. She said, I feel bad that some of these things that I really wanted to do were canceled and some of these others I don't feel bad about at all because they were so stressful, right? And so um I remember thinking out loud um in a prayer, Heavenly Father, you didn't really have to shut down the whole world to answer my prayer, but thanks. Like if that's what it took, thank you. <laughs> um, but I recognize now how many other people maybe were praying for things that were coming from um circumstances, right? Things, um, a byproduct, I guess is a good way to put it of the circumstance we're in. I know that, um, for us, uh, our life was really stressful right up until this all happened to the point where I had, um, let go of a lot of my, my healthy choices because I just could not maintain everything with the stress that I was under. And now that things have slowed down immensely, I was able to get back on, um, the healthy eating and the different things that I know make a big difference in my life because I actually now have the energy and the time to to maintain them. What a huge blessing that's been for me, right? What a blessing it's been to spend more time reading with my kids and to, we got out the sewing machine and we got a lot of craft supplies. We've been playing games. We've been watching shows together. We've been working in the yard. Um, It's not perfect by any means. And yet I'm so grateful we've been able to spend this time together. Even to the point where, you know, uh, my husband's been wanting to to work from home for a long time and now he's forced to work from home and he's doing really well with it and he's hoping that he's able to show his employers what a benefit it is for him to work from home, that he can be really focused and get a lot done in the time that he has and not have to spend his commute um, on the road, that it will be a huge blessing for us and for the company and we get to try it out, right? I even remember thinking several weeks ago, asking Heavenly Father if there was a way for us to try and see what it would look like to homeschool our whole family. Now, while I don't, we've done some form of homeschooling, which was not the most successful thing ever. Um, but I wondered, I have wondered if we could pull it off. And I thought, how would I ever try that unless I made him do it during the summer? Like, how would I ever give that a trial run? And I don't know that it's the right thing for us, but we're getting a trial run, right? The Lord is answering so many prayers in weird ways. And yeah, I'm so grateful. And so I'm going to invite you to just be introspective and to really look at what prayers of yours are being answered through the situation that you're in. And how can you be grateful for the situation? And once you've taken some time to do that, then I'm going to invite you to do one more thing. And this has been on my mind so much lately. I'm going to invite you to look outside of yourself and find ways to serve others. And when we get in situations like this, Uh, It's been so cool to see people rise up and to be able to help other people and and look outside themselves. And I know for me, this has been, um, I struggle sometimes, you know, my heart really is a heart of service and I love helping other people. And I also find it really challenging because I'm trying to manage so much here at home and I've had, you know, my mental health struggles that sometimes get in the way. I've had some health struggles that sometimes get in the way the busy schedule of keeping everybody going and running a business and everything that my natural heart of service has kind of been closed. If I can be completely honest. In fact, just thinking about it brings me to tears. And I've pondered for the last few days what I can do to better serve in this time that we all need to reach out and that we all need to be helping each other, you know, and, And I can't, you know, I remember reaching out to my ministering sisters and saying, hey, we're going to be making bread at least once a week. We'll bring you some. And then everyone in my house got sick. (laughs) I thought, I can't take them bread that's tainted. I can't take them bread with germs, right? What can I do? What can I do? And so I'm going to invite you just like I'm inviting myself. Today is my day to really say, what can I do to get outside myself? As much as these challenges sometimes cause us to look inward and, and maybe even have a pity party sometimes and get sucked into everything it requires for us right now to keep our household going, what can we do to look outside ourselves? What can we do to make something better for someone else? And I know for me, I got a lot of room to improve and a lot of work I can do. And I even just sitting down here in my office and hearing, I don't know if you heard that clink, I can hear the chair moving across I'm I'm right below the kitchen and the kids are upstairs fending for themselves. And, you know, I've got a 10-year-old that desperately wants to learn how to sew, and I've been putting her off for two weeks, and today is my day to go get the sewing machine out for her and really serve her by doing what her heart needs right now, is some mom time with some learning of something she really wants to do. Now, I know you moms are probably doing way better at this than I am. You're probably doing way better at serving than looking outside yourselves, and if you are, I just want to give you a big old hug. And if you're not, and you're kind of falling like me where you're like, oh, I kind of got self-centered through this thing. Maybe I need to stop, (laughs) right? Self-centered is a very, um, being worried about yourself is a very boring pastime. Uh, what can I do, right? I'm going to give you that challenge. What can you do to reach out and help someone else? I'm going to throw that down to myself and to you. And then I'm going to invite you uh, to come join the happy mama group and to see what's going on in there. And let's lift each other up. Let's let that be a place where we get to serve and help each other as well and um, and that we get to, to, to each make this time uh, the best that it can be. I wanna see us come out the back end of this, whatever it is, however long this pandemic lasts and however long our, our life altering lasts, right? I wanna see us come out happier mamas. I wanna see us come out stronger. I wanna see us come out more faithful and with more courage and with more determination to be better and do better and to make a difference in the world. So if you're willing to join that challenge with me, come jump on the Facebook group. Let's do it together. And then I want you to share, share ways that you're, you're getting outside yourself to help other people. And I want to, uh, I want to gain some motivation from your experiences. All right, guys, we'll catch you on the next episode. Stay happy.